this afternoon I'm going to guide you in a practice which is uh, a sibling of metta metta practice. It's called mudita, or empathetic joy. And just as Mark guided us in compassion practice, karuna practice yesterday, there is another quality of heart uh, called mudita, empathetic joy. And it's the way our hearts um, enliven when we see the happiness or good fortune of others or even ourselves. So when that happens in your heart, um, the, the old Pali word for that is mudita. And like all of these qualities, they're actually natural to your heart. We've all felt it. Um, you can see little children having these uh, qualities of heart. So it's not something we have to import from the outside in. But once again, navigate within and see if we can find where it's already been in our heart, where it's already living in us, where we've already experienced it. And that's a starting place. We kind of find that time and we, we search through our own library of the heart to find where are the places worth celebrating? Where are the places of joy? Where am I renewed by with optimism and seeing the good in the world? What is there to celebrate? And that's the practice. And it's quite lovely that we actually get to be encouraged to spend time to take stock in what's good in the world. And not to just passively appreciate it, but to actively celebrate it. And this is from the same school that gives us the first universal truth of suffering. <laughs> A very strong teaching on uh, some of the difficulties that are inherent in life. But in that very first discourse where the Buddha talked to his first five disciples, he talked to them about the difficulties in life, where they come from and how we cultivate them and how we break free of them. And his first student had a remarkable insight and from that cast off a tremendous amount of confusion. And from that the Buddha understood that the suffering of that other individual was going to greatly reduce because there was wisdom, that the ignorance had been broken through to a large degree. And so the Buddha rejoices at the end of his first discourse, which was largely about the nature of suffering, but the promise of liberation of suffering is greater, that we're not, we're not just uh, stuck in difficult circumstances. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate that there is this capacity to awaken. And the great thing about that first discourse is not only does the Buddha celebrate, but all these deities were nearby kind of watching and they see it happen and they begin to celebrate. And these de deities that couldn't quite see in but saw those deities celebrating, they looked over and said, why are they celebrating so much? And they saw what happened and they celebrated. And these other deities even further away, it's like, why are all those deities celebrating? And they begin to celebrate. And it echoes up through all the heavens that all these deities are now celebrating because this one person had quite a deep insight from the Buddha's teachings. And so the end of this very first discourse that the Buddha gave is this beautiful account of this immeasurable celebration and joy from the achievement of uh, one being seen through their own confusion. So it's actually embedded throughout this entire tradition Buddhist tradition, that there's reason and good cause to celebrate. 
And it's, it's really important for many reasons. One of the reasons it's important is that we are encouraged to be intimate with life. And from that, because our normal inclination is not to feel what's difficult, as we become more intimate with life, we're going to come more in contact with what's difficult. And we have to grow our capacity to feel that. But that could easily become a, an imbalanced default where we're sobering ourselves up to being uh, aware of what's difficult and lose contact of what there is to be joyful about, what there is to celebrate. And so we actually have to put in time. We have to put in some training to make sure that we do take stock in what's beautiful, what there is to celebrate, the happiness of others, the well-being of others, the, their accomplishments, their joy, have it impact you and have it ripple through you. Share in the joy. And that's the practice of mudita, of empathetic joy. And there really are, there are tremendous reasons to celebrate. And when I don't know what those are, I'm under a cloud of my own um, heaviness of heart. And I know that now because I know that there are reasons to celebrate. I have a neighbor, I live in sort of a rural area and we all have mailboxes um, together in this one spot. And several times a year I'll come and collect my mail and there's this beautiful handwritten note from one of my neighbors that I've never met. But she will come up with these sayings like, um, like, the greatest gift in life you've ever known is friendship. And she'll write that out beautifully and just put it in my mailbox. And I get it. I'm like, oh my God, that's beautiful. And it's touching to me that she did it. And then I think, what a great neighbor. And I've heard that she's about 13 and she's never met me. And I'm like, what a great neighbor I have. And I celebrate that there are good people out there that do generous things. And I feel this empathetic joy that she's doing this, that she's writing in bright crayon these incredible things and leaving people's mailboxes. There are other things to celebrate. Through good work, people have done great things. People have really challenged uh, oppressive, oppressive regimes and won, and that's to be celebrated. People have woken up. People have um, done incredibly difficult things and been successful at them. And if you're just in a loving-kindness mode, you might turn to an accomplishment like that. It's like, oh, that's really sweet. That's really nice. I'm, I, I'm happy you're happy. And it doesn't really match. It doesn't really resonate with what someone's actually gone through to come to that achievement. And so if your heart is really open and we're opening it and making it more um, reverberant with the world around us, there is... There are difficult things that we have to learn to reverberate with. But we also have to reverberate with what's beautiful, what's joyful. So again, we start where it's easiest. We do a little scan through ourselves and find, what can I celebrate? And if you're in a particular time, like the timing of this particular sit is such that when you sit down, you're just opening up to a grief cycle and it wouldn't feel right to your heart. I wouldn't force your heart to do this. But if it's possible, Begin scanning through your own heart and mind and thinking, what could you celebrate? Who do you know that's, that's, that's had good fortune? Parents who've just had uh, a baby born who's healthy and they're overjoyed. Or people who've just uh, finished a degree, 
and they've worked hard for it. Um, anything, you, if you're on Facebook, you can see people celebrating their lives, you know, trips they've taken or good things in their lives. Um, the pancakes that my uh, friend made for her children with a little raisin for eyes. I celebrate that. And I'm, and I'm glad I get to participate in the joys of my friends. And so this is a cultivation of heart. And when our hearts don't celebrate when other people are having good fortune, it's actually good to start learning about, oh, interesting, my heart doesn't know how to celebrate or it's limited in its capacity to celebrate. I want to understand that. So again, not blaming yourself for it, not being down on yourself for it, but recognizing there is beauty in the world and it's to be celebrated. I have a friend who uses this uh, little bit more arcane word, uh, rejoice. So whenever we're hanging out and I mention something good that's happened, he goes, oh, I rejoice in your good, your good fortune. And it's such an arcane word that always kind of stands out to me. It's like rejoicing. We don't use that word a lot. But it's sort of a reconnecting to joy. My heart's open to you and you have good fortune. Ah, thank you. You've reconnected me to joy, my joy in your happiness. So there are, there are uh, classical phrases that have been used. So I, um, may your happiness continue. May your good fortune continue. And you can start there if you want. Um, I've played with this enough to find that, for me it's, I, I rev the engine a little more on this one. <laughs> I like the mudita practice. And so I'll use a little bit more evocative words, like um, I celebrate your happiness, I celebrate your good fortune. And I reflect upon somebody in a time of good fortune as something's happened for them, either individually or on a larger scale. I celebrate, I rejoice. I'm so happy you're happy. And I'll use those phrases to tap into it and then see if I can, like putting twigs on a small fire, if I can really appreciate, wow, what, that, what would that mean for this person? that they've worked so hard and had this incredible thing happen for them. Oh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really getting it on another level. I'm so happy you're happy. Someone who's gotten over an illness, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so happy for you. And then as you do that, you learn that there, there are other thoughts that come in. It's like, well, how happy should I be? And am I attached to their happiness? And so these other questions come in, they make it complex for us to really just sit in that simple pleasure and happiness for someone's well-being. And that's our work. Like any one of these practices, we begin to get into the actual territory. And you might find that somebody else's happiness makes you envious. It's like, ah, you fell in love, but when's it gonna happen to me? Ah, or like, wow, you've had so much success. I don't think there's enough to go around. So that means you get it all. I don't get it. How could that be? And so you run into a, a belief system that we don't know not to question, and this practice will have you question that. Can we all win? Is any one person's winning a limit on how much you can win? Or because one person wins, it's an example that humans can per persevere. And so any one person's joy is an example that all of us can feel this joy. And then again, there are 
complex questions. It's like, well, what if that person's joy comes at the, con- at the suffering of others? Those are good questions. I wouldn't start with trying to light your fire on such a big log. Like, don't make it so complicated. See if you can start where it's easy for your heart to celebrate. Get to know the tone of this appreciation and this celebration where it's easiest. And then when you take it to places that are a little more complex, you can see, yeah, this is to be celebrated and this is maybe to be questioned. The joy in this equation is more complex and I do have some questions about it, but I wouldn't start where it's complex. And if, it, if right away your mind starts wrestling over should there be joy and should we celebrate and are we just being deluded if we're looking for this type of happiness, I would back... I would take a step back to something simpler and easier to connect to. And so now that you've been practicing for several days, the beings that you feel connected to, they might be a place to start. If you think about any good fortune, their health, or what they've been able to accomplish in their lives, or that they have a good circle of friends around them, you can, you can look at that, you can tune into that. I think of the Dalai Lama, and I could go into how much he and his people have suffered, and that would open me up to what Mark taught yesterday about the great suffering of the Tibetan people. Yet I can also look at the same group of people and just be astounded at their joy and their strength. To be, I got to spend 10 days in a ceremony with the Dalai Lama, 3,000 people in a, in a stadium, and he's a very happy guy and sincerely happy, yet he also has known suffering And so because he's known suffering, I really rejoice in his wisdom. I rejoice in his tenacity. I rejoice in the beauty of his being, even though it's come in contact with incredible suffering. And maybe that's why it's even that much more worth celebrating, because he has been in contact with suffering, and he still has a connection to this happiness. What a testament to a human heart not just the Dalai Lama, but so many people around the world that have faced adversity and still found music, still found celebration, still found community, reasons to celebrate. So it's a powerful part of the heart that we want to be in contact with, we want to encourage. There may be complex questions to ask at some point, but when you're beginning, see if you can tap into the simplicity of it. And for a while, hold the complex questions off for a little bit, just so you can begin to appreciate. No matter, no matter how hard it's been in human history, there have always been the laughter of children. There hasn't a day gone by on planet Earth where children have not been laughing. It just hasn't been. They're that, they're that delighted by life. And there probably hasn't been a day gone by when children haven't cried. That's also true but there has been laughter and there has been joy. There has been reason to celebrate. So with that encouragement, find a posture that allows your body to be at ease. Take several breaths. Remember you live within a body. this very precious, precious human body with its strengths, its tendernesses, 
And in being aware of your breath, let it, not, let it show you where your torso is, your breath happening in your body, becoming aware of your lower back and your hips and your legs. Just basically aware you have a body and there's a breath within it. And then gently and patiently begin looking through your own life experience, finding the people, the beings that you care for. And see how many things you can tap into that are worth celebrating, that are worth rejoicing in, the happiness of others, the happiness of yourself beautiful things done or accomplished, the beautiful side of people that's worth celebrating, their wisdom, their humor, their creativity. And see if you can find one particular thing you can tune into that's worth celebrating. For your heart to be engaged with it, it has to care about what it's celebrating, something that's meaningful to you. Might be a dear friend whose happiness makes you happy. might be a people you haven't met yet, yet you care about their story. You've heard about their good fortune. I feel a lot of happiness for the Burmese people who seem to be coming out under decades of military rule. I rejoice in their well-being. I rejoice in their long struggle. I rejoice in their well-being, their happiness. See where your heart wants to go and see which of these words makes sense. I celebrate your good fortune. I celebrate your achievement. I celebrate your happiness. I rejoice in your well-being.
And I invite you to stay with this as long as you can feel it. Find the pacing of the phrase that supports that warmth of heart, the celebrating heart, the rejoicing heart, the heart uplifted by the goodness in the world. And if your heart is happy staying with this one experience to celebrate, you can stay there. Yet if something else comes to your heart, we're celebrating, that's easy. That brings forward this mudita, this joy, this celebration, this delight. And you might take up another subject, but stay with each one for a little bit so you make that heart resonance with what there is to celebrate, with what there is to rejoice in.
I invite you to consider your own happiness, your own strengths, things that you are proud of, things your friends or community members recognize in you. And you can feel empathetic joy towards yourself. I rejoice in my strength. Rejoice in my humor or my patience. I rejoice in the things I've done well. Again, returning to where it's easiest and at times learning to expand it. What if you ever lose the thread? See if you can regroup, take a breath, feel your body and tune into what's worth celebrating. Where does your heart resonate with joy? at what you've known about the world.
I invite you into moments of wholeheartedness. <coughs> Just a moment where it's not complex. A moment where the heart is humble and simple and is delighted. Child has learned to walk. That community is singing together. That leadership has arisen in places, clear-minded, big-hearted people Yeah, see if you can tap into a breath or two at a time of simple appreciation and celebration of what's good in the world. If you put your hand on your heart, I'll invite you into one more mudita reflection. Because the rain came to California in October this year, it was still warm enough with enough sunlight that grass grew that usually grows in March. And it was green enough over so much of the land here that all the animals that eat grass don't have to wait through a tough winter. And Mark mentioned earlier, and it stayed in my heart, that all the deer around here 
They're in a time of plenty. They're in a time where the environment is actually abundant. And all those mother deer with their babies that might have had a hard time getting through the winter now have very easy access to grass. And so they'll likely have a gentler winter than they've known in a while. That's something to celebrate. I wonder how many species take time to celebrate the welfare of another species. I think that's a beautiful thing about humans. That's part of our good side and that's to be celebrated. offer that guidance and <clears throat> if the particular timing was such that your heart attempted these practices but didn't feel them please know that that's just the natural cycle of all hearts at times they can be invited to open and at times it's not their time and so that's a gentle kindness to attempt these things but not to be too frustrated if your heart wasn't quite in the mood for that type of practice. So I'm curious, we have a little time for some questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.